Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. On March 24, 2020, New Zealand imposed one of the most onerous lockdowns in the free world, with sharp restrictions on international travel, business closures, a prohibition on going outside, and official encouragement of citizens to snitch on neighbours. In May 2020, having hit zero COVID, New Zealand lifted lockdown restrictions, except quarantines for international travellers, and warrantless house searches to enforce lockdowns. Australia also took the zero COVID route, While the initial steps focused on banning international travel, the lockdowns there also involved closed schools, occasional separation of mothers from premature newborns, brutal suppression of protests, and arrests for wandering more than three miles from home. New Zealand's and Australia's temporary achievement of zero COVID and China's claimed successes were greeted with fanfare by the media and scientific journals. China's authoritarian response seemed so successful, despite the country's record of lying about the virus, that panicked democratic governments around the world copied it. The three countries lifted their lockdowns and celebrated. Those would be the countries of China, New Zealand, and Australia. And that is uh, the opening of an article in the Wall Street Journal by Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. He's a professor of medicine at Stanford University. He's a research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research, a senior fellow at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research. Dr. Bhattacharya directs the Stanford Center of the Demography of Health and Aging. He holds an MD and PhD in economics from Stanford University. He's also one of the three senior university professors from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford, who put forward the controversial Great Barrington Declaration. Um, Dr. Bhattacharya, it's good to have you back on the show. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me, Roy. It was a pleasure to be on with you. So I, I, I know about your accomplishments, your achievements, your credibility um, professionally in the medical profession, uh, economics, Ph.D., and yet you've been treated... Um, not exactly with the kind of enthusiasm and respect I think you deserve. The word you used was smeared. I mean, it's been, it has been an interesting time for uh, open scientific debate and discussion. Uh, it's been, I think if you have a view of the science and policy that's contrary to the prevailing view, normally... It, you could have a debate, an open debate, uh, around these uh, these dis- these disagreements. Uh, in many ways, science has not followed that path. This epidemic, uh, and it's been difficult to have that debate. In part, driven by this, I mean, a completely reasonable idea that public health ought to have a unified message. But the problem is that unified message has to be built on uh, on solid science. So, for instance, the science that lockdowns are the only way to address the epidemic is not solid science. Uh, you have to look at other places that have, uh, and compare and see if they've actually worked relative to the other potential policies. You know, so for Sweden is a good example of this, has had at this point zero COVID deaths. They've been open much of the epidemic, almost all the epidemic. Um, the, the key thing actually now, Roy, is the good news that ought to be Told, right. Uh, and, and the good news is this is good news for Canada. It's good news for the United States. It's good news for 
Sweden, for the UK, any country that has, that has used the vaccine to protect the vulnerable old has decoupled cases from deaths from this virus. It's turned this virus, this vaccine has turned this virus from a very deadly uh, uh, infection that harms the old and the vulnerable uh, into something that's much more manageable. We should no longer be worried so much about cases as we once were, because cases don't lead inevitably to deaths the way they did before. Um, the idea that we should have a policy that addresses just cases ignores the devastating harms from the lockdown. I think the Alberta uh, minister's decision is a good one. It, it echoes what Boris Johnson did last last month mm-hmm. in the UK with, with Freedom Day. Uh, uh, let me let me ask you let me ask you this, Doctor Bhattacharya. When when you talk about and I, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a reminder of what the Great Barrington decision uh, was. Um, but when you take that, the Great Barrington decision, which you and uh, Professors Kuldorf and uh, Gupta brought forward, when you take the Great Barrington decision and you compare it to what New Zealand, China, and Australia did, and they were lauded. They've been lauded internationally for the decisions they've made. Where's the where's the divide? Where's the separation? Uh, and sure. Um, I mean, that's a really good question. So the, the Great Barrington Declaration is based on, on two indisputable scientific facts. One is that it's older populations who face an enormously high risk from this disease, whereas younger populations the disease is much milder. 80% of the deaths have happened in Canada for people over 65, something something close to that. Uh, same thing in the United States. In fact, everywhere in the world that's true, that the, the deaths happen to older people. Um, so it's older people who face a very severe risk, whereas young people face a much less, lower risk. The second scientific fact is that lockdowns are harmful, harmful for everybody, harmful psychologically uh, with you know, exploding rates of depression, anxiety, uh, substance abuse, uh, you know, it, and, and if missed schooling is devastating for children, we missed uh, treating cancer patients. We basically decided that only COVID mattered for public health. And in fact, there's an enormous number of other conditions that are important for the health of the population to, to manage cancer, to manage diabetes, to manage all kinds of other things. You put those together and you say, don't lock down. Instead, protect the vulnerable. The vulnerable are the people, the older, don't, don't send COVID-infected patients back to nursing homes, as was done in Quebec in the early days of the epidemic. Uh, do everything in your power to protect the vulnerable. The Australian and the New Zealand and the Chinese response was very different. The idea was to lock down sharply, reduce the number of cases to zero, and then declare the epidemic done. The problem with that approach is that it's not possible to actually keep the cases to zero as Australia's found out, and as New Zealand has repeatedly found out, is it's had to lock down over and over and over again. Um, but the world is interconnected. This is a very, very infectious disease. Uh, this disease can be spread to animals. There are animal reservoirs for disease, so just eliminating in humans is not enough. And the lockdown harms are absolutely devastating. Uh, so those are, the, those are the two contrasting approaches. Mm-hmm. With the with the vaccine, you have a fantastic tool for focused protection of the vulnerable. The vaccine is so effective at reducing mortality and and, uh, and severe disease that that you use it preferentially on the old, just as Canada has done, and you've protected them. You've turned the disease that once was a deadly 
thing, thing for those uh, infection for people that are vulnerable into something much more manageable. Um, that point, what's the justification for the lockdown? Cases? Well, cases are not, if they don't lead to death and severe disease, they have, you have to compare that against the lockdown harms. It's just, it doesn't add up. The lockdowns are just a, what I, I believe was a mistake before, but certainly now that we've vaccinated the old, protected them, it, it's, a, it's a, an enormous public health mistake. So, uh, Dr. Bhattacharya, you found yourself being, let's say, enthusiastically attacked, vigorously attacked for the Great Barrington Declaration. Do you think you find yourself in conflict with what I'm calling the accepted new medical orthodoxy? I mean, I think it was more than just medical, Roy. Uh, the the counterattack on the Great Barrington Declaration, which we described and discussed in the last segment, right. was uh, was was deeply political. Uh, governments around the world that had adopted lockdowns had in the spring and kept them in, in some parts of them in place through the summer could not admit that they'd made a mistake. And instead of engaging in debate, they engaged in propaganda to discredit the, the ideas. And so, for instance, I'll just give you one concrete example. The Great Barrington Declaration, the, the central plank of it, called for protection of vulnerable people. That was the most important idea in it. Uh, the, uh, the, the governments around the world, including, including in the U.K., Canada, and the United States, uh, basically mischaracterized that as a call for letting the virus rip through the population, which decidedly did not argue for. As I said, the central plank was protection of the vulnerable. It's an act of propaganda to lie about the uh, what uh, you know, sort of the opposition uh, plan. Instead of engaging about thinking about ways to better protect the vulnerable, the assertion was made that it's impossible to protect the vulnerable without a lockdown, which is false, because you can see the example of Sweden uh, is, is, is a good example, a good, good counterexample. Um, where, you know, I mean, they didn't do it perfectly, but they protected the vulnerable quite well. They had lower per capita death rates than uh, most countries in Europe, which did lock down. Um, And they also have lower excess mortality rates on the young than Canada, for instance. Um, So you have a a situation where you have a set of ideas that you've bought into, you've sold the population on through, essentially by causing the population to panic. You have opposition in the form of, 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 you know, it's not just us. These, the, the plan we put forward was actually, it's, it's actually an old plan. It's the old pandemic management plan that Canada had, that the United States had. Every, every country on Earth actually had this plan, something like what we put forward. It wasn't a new idea. But uh, we'd instead a, a, adopted a path of lockdown, and uh, it's really hard to make uh, an admission that we'd made a mistake. I think people still have trouble admitting that that was that there was a mistake because of all the incredible sacrifices the population had made on that front. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the Canadian broadcast, the, the CBC, for instance, uh, put this kind of propaganda out when we put out the, the, the Great Barrington Declaration. They put on scientists uh, who didn't agree with us, uh, but then would not put us on the air to let us respond. Well, I was, um, you know, that, that, that always disturbed me because I thought, you know, you're credible people, very credible people. So if you disagree with the position you've taken or what you're putting forward, and by the way, we've spoken with Colonel David Redmond several times on this program, the former d- director of the Alberta Office for Emergency Management, and they had, uh, the, you know, they had the, uh, the uh, pandemic plans in place agreed to by the provinces and the federal government. And as Colonel Redmond told us on several occasions, the moment COVID arrived, the plans went out the window. 
But, uh, Dr. Bhattacharya, in the three minutes we have left, let me move. You mentioned Sweden. Let me move to the spectator piece that you and your colleagues, Professor Kaldorf and Professor Gupta, wrote. Sweden's lessons for the UK's third wave. So we're now worried in North America about the potential for a fourth wave. But what are the lessons that Sweden's experience teaches? So the main thing uh, is, is if you look at the most recent wave of cases in Sweden, it's a, in this, which happened this spring, it was an enormous wave of cases this spring. At the beginning of that, Sweden had actually only vaccinated maybe 10% of its population. But they did a very clever thing. They used those vaccines in service of focused protection. They vaccinated older people who were really at high risk of dying if they get COVID. And then they, they did other things to protect them as well. Um, and even though... The, the, you know, without a lockdown, the cases went skyrocketed high. The number of deaths actually were very low per capita compared to, compared to many other countries that had similar, uh, you know, it's, they've decoupled cases from deaths successfully by following a focus protection plan. And now the same thing happened in the UK, and the same thing is happening in the United States as well. As cases go up, the deaths don't go up. And actually similar thing is happening in Canada. It's a, we should be declaring a great victory. We, it's a, we've achieved focus protection by using the vaccine to protect the vulnerable. In, in, the, in the spectator piece, you're right. As COVID becomes endemic, it will no longer pose the same danger to people that it once did. In its endemic state, there is no point in testing asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic people and obsessing over case numbers, unless the objective is endless panic. We do not test and count every case of flu or the common cold. Epidemiologists should continue to track COVID's progress, but within reason. And reason being? Exactly. Exactly. Like, I think, focus the test on, on identifying people who are actually at risk from being really harmed, the vulnerable. Focus the test to use for managing patients, uh, you know, for doctors managing patients. Focus the test on, the, on those kinds of things rather than identifying mild COVID cases or asymptomatic COVID cases that pose no harm to the people that are infected, but uh, induce people to panic and cause lockdowns to happen. And you're not, you're not, you're not anti-vaccine, obviously. No, no. I mean, I think the vaccine is a wonderful thing. It's, it's, it, it, I think it's, it's been the key to ending the epidemic. Where do you think we're headed in the next year plus? I think there's one of two futures, Roy. I think one is that we declare a, a, a great victory over the, 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 the this terrible disease, uh, and we should. That's, I think, the path we should, and we should, we should uh, look back and say at, honestly at the mistakes we made around the lockdowns, and then readopt the old pandemic plans again. Should another disease like this come about? Um, the other path is an endless series of lockdowns because we sit there counting cases, panicking the population. That's where I'm afraid where Australia and New Zealand are right now is that they uh, they will lock down. Uh, the cases won't get, might go down again. You know, they're in their winter season, so that's why it's going up now. Right. Uh, but then, like, then it comes back down. It'll, it'll declare victory. Demand for the vaccines will be low, zero, and okay. they and the cases will come back and a lockdown. Endless days of lockdown. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.